Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me as always, we got Finder and the Salt Mine Scott. Uh, and joining us, and I'm very excited to say this since I've been watching his YouTube videos for quite a while now, Adam from Tabletop Minions. Hello, everyone. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm I, as I said when I first, when you first hopped on, it's weird hearing your voice actually directed at me and not just at a screen. <laughs> sure, yeah, no, I get, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, on this episode, we are going to be discussing war games and why I think more people who play tabletop RPGs should get into them, and maybe some of the misconceptions behind them. Because, um, as I've kind of found out through a little searching myself. <laughs> People are very divisive on war games yeah. who have never played it. And yeah. I'm kind of confused on the whole situation. People are fucking giant dicks about it sometimes. <laughs> they have the you... dumbest fucking hot takes on Twitter. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, so before we get so started, though, Adam, you want to tell us a little bit about your tabletop background? Uh, yeah, I started... Um... Gosh, probably in fifth grade. So I'm 50-ish, early 51 or whatever. Uh, I started in fifth grade with um, D&D. And um, then in middle school, I played some Battletech. And then in high school, I stayed away from that kind of stuff for the most part. Um, and then in college, uh, I started playing. I had a friend who was really, really, really like new role master, like the back of his hand. So he was the, you know, GM and we played a bunch of middle earth kind of based role master stuff. And, um, but we also played some more battle tech. We played some shadow run, um, sometime in my late twenties, we started playing third edition, uh, D and D and then like 3.5, um, and then I even played some fifth edition. We would play it at work, like during lunchtime and stuff like that for my day job for a while. We did that probably about four years ago. We did that for a couple of months and then kind of it sort of crapped out. But um, I started really getting into tabletop wargaming, miniatures games and stuff like that. Probably in the, like the first one that I played was actually Space Hulk when I was still in college. And then um, got into Car Wars uh, from Steve Jackson Games, which is, well, it wasn't a miniatures game at the time. You were pushing around like cardboard chits and whatnot. Now yeah. the newest edition actually has like plastic cars and the whole deal. Um, it reminds me a lot of actually a Star Wars X-Wing. Um, yeah. But it's it's cool. And um, But I started getting into in the early 2000s, like started getting into painting miniatures and making terrain and and, and kind of doing stuff and then I got into Warhammer 40,000 in, it was fifth edition. I don't even remember how long ago that was. Seems like at least 15 years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. And I played that for a couple of editions and started looking at other games as well and just sort of hopped around a lot. Um, and then 2010, I started working uh, like as a side job for um, a website and a YouTube channel based out of Northern Ireland called the Be uh, Beasts of War. And uh, I was their like US correspondent and I was going to Gen Con and Adepticon and, and things like that. And then, and then filming a bunch of stuff and interviewing people and then sending back the footage and then they would, you know, put up the videos and all that kind of stuff. And then in like 2013, I decided I wanted to do my own thing and teach myself, you know, video production and do all that kind of stuff. And I started uh, Tabletop Minions 
And so it's almost this March upcoming, it'll be 10 years since I launched the channel. Um, late 2015, I decided I should do this more regularly and not just semi-randomly, which is what I was doing <laughs> for quite some time. So I started putting out a video every single Friday, starting in like late October of 2015. And I haven't missed one since. So I put out a video every single Friday. Um, but then I also do a live show on YouTube every other Sunday, which is called the Every Other Sunday Show, strangely enough. <laughs> and um, then I started Twitch, you know, kind of like everybody else did when uh, the pandemic started. Uh, I started streaming on Twitch in like June of 2020. And now I do that twice a week as well. So I sit there on for uh, Monday nights, like 7 p.m. Central and Friday mornings, 10 a.m. Central. And I sit there for about three hours and paint and talk to people and answer questions and all that kind of stuff. Keep myself busy. And then me and another YouTuber, Vince Venturella, uh, he and I, we were bored during the pandemic, as many people were, and we started a game company. And we produced a game that came out in late May of 2021 called Rain in Hell. It was a small scale kind of skirmish game. And it's available on Wargame Vault. It's all print-on-demand or PDF, whatever you want. Uh, and then we produced our second game. Actually came out three weeks ago. Three weeks ago in two days. Called Space Station Zero, which is also over there on uh, Wargame Vault. And we're basically producing a game a year. So um, we're keeping ourselves busy. Oh, that's awesome. And I so Sounds like you have a very long history when it comes to... Uh, tabletop it, I, i'm kind of jealous of all three of you guys because you all seem to have started out like you know when you were young when you're like mm -hmm. eight nine you had all these things and then there's me who had <laughs> you know the quintessential popular sister and there's nerdy old me with no outlet whatsoever i didn't get into any kind of tabletop game until it was my 20s i'm so jealous mm -hmm. of you all <laughs> it's i mean i think you should be <laughs> the trick is is you can start whenever yeah. i think personally but um you know i the only thing that you really gain from starting like early is just kind of experience and, mm -hmm. and stories you know a lot of like yeah. man you remember how many times you used to have to like, like how many dice you have to roll you used to have to roll in like second edition you know shadow run oh my god you had to bring a bucket you know that kind of stuff oh, no i remember reading shadow run too and i was just like okay and I was, I was like, oh, well, let's just, let's see what you can do. And I was looking online. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm a sniper and uh, I can have up to 32 dice to roll to shoot. I'm like, 32 dice. I don't think I, now I do own way more than 32, but I was like, oh my God, at the time, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But onto our main topic of the night, war games. And mm -hmm. why oddly enough, a lot of the tabletop community is almost slightly against them but why you should actually give it a shot because i well you said the tabletop community <laughs> sorry sorry yeah tabletop rpg community you mean is yes, that what you mean yes. okay yes, i don't yes, want to put words in your mouth but yes i get you yeah because like that i i try to differentiate that kind of stuff a lot on my youtube channel i the one thing that i'm that i and i don't know that this is an actual I was going to say superpower, but it's not. But I, I, I seem to be generally pretty good at like, look, like, like I, I kind of steer around jargon sometimes. You know what I mean? Like when, when yeah. I'm when I'm explaining things to people, I, I'm assuming that they don't know what I'm talking about, so I don't just like throw out a bunch of like, you know, whatever kind of uh, jargon, and then assume that they're going to kind of catch up. And I think that that helps, at least on my channel, just because I'm trying to aim towards people who are new to the hobby, and so. 
Um, but yeah, like t- when I talk about tabletop gaming, you know, I, then I'm usually talking about people who play board games and people who play magic and, you know, all that kind of stuff and RPG folks. And then tabletop war gaming is like, and then, then there are, of course, people who are like, well, technically war games are games like, you know, Risk and, you know, uh, and I'm like, no, those are board games. I, but it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I digress. Yeah. 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 No, I, I get you. You're, you are right to correct me on that one. hundred percent. But uh, I thought the, a fun way to start it off would be actually to ask Scott and Finder, mm-hmm. what are your opinions on war games, specifically on the table? <laughs> As opposed to war games the on the floor? Or... <laughs> well, you can play on the floor too. I don't know. <laughs> Scott, I'll let you lead. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Let's get the spice going first. <laughs> yeah, it's not really spicy. I mean, they're, they are what they are, right? Um, I've played I – pl- I have played a couple, but way back in the day. So um, this must have been in the late 80s maybe. But there was a dude who had – you know, we, we were using the chain mail and the little brown books. So there was always the, the one guy who wanted to run uh, chain mail. Mm-hmm. Right. So we tried that with whatever models at hand and dice and, you know, just because the shit's expensive um, to, to bring all the dolls to the table and to really get something going. So but he was at least had a he made a sand table, so it kind of made it more pal- palatable, but palpable. Uh, and then other than that, I mean, I've only seen it played at stores and. Um, yeah, it's just oh, so like thoughts on it? I mean, yeah, it's another version of gaming and it takes it's a different mode of interaction at the at the table is what it really comes down to. Um, it's like to me, war gaming is like chess. Uh, you're there, you're strategizing, you're trying to think a couple of moves ahead of the players who are opposite you. The difference is, is it's sort of like an advanced chess where you may not just have you and another opponent. I know there are a few games that are out there to let you kind of have a true mass battle simulation going on where it might be, you know, uh, more than two players who are going at it. And so in that end, it's you know, Chinese checkers is rather insulting because that's just advanced checkers. But yeah, that's how I see war gaming is. It really is. You have to sit down. You got to think about what you're doing. Um, you really need to be able to strategize. I mean, you don't have to. You can just go, you know, fucking Leroy Jenkins, all of your troops, I guess. <laughs> and it would be, it'll work out. We've other countries use that strategy. Russia won World War II doing that. So it's not going so well this time around. But uh, yeah, there's ways of doing it. Uh, I think the biggest barrier of entry for a lot of people is going to be the price of the models because the games aren't that expensive. But it's definitely going to be the models. And then on top of that, you'll have the terrain. And that can be really expensive. You don't have to use that. Um, you know, you could make your own terrain at this point. If you have a 3d printer, like I've printed miniature terrain for cyberpunk games, just to have the buildings and the the cool shit. Mm -hmm. So you can do it. I think those are your biggest barriers of entry. Um, and then, um, the one thing I've never understood and I kind of, I, I really don't understand it is, um, this, and this was probably only the Warhammer 40 K folks, but that, the very strict painting and coloring guidelines were just fucking ridiculous. It's just like, dude, if I want neon pink fucking armor, what do you care? We're going to sit down and play a fucking game. I don't care. You shouldn't care. Stop being like that. But there are people who are like that. And I know it's, it's kind of, it's, I guess it's like the convention level where like the tournament play, where we used to have that with role playing games too. They had tournament level play, but it's not that spicy. It's just, 
I think most tabletop role players are lying to themselves. They actually play a war game all the time if you're a fifth edition player. <laughs> yeah, I think that honestly, from what I understand, fourth edition was actually like, I've been had a bunch of people explain to me like fourth edition is like one of the best miniatures games out there. It was. And, yeah, and I'm like, well, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, You know, I mean, it's... um. The thing I think that's interesting is that, and and this is partially what you see, you know, when you're at stores and things like that, is you do sometimes see the the people who are very specific. It becomes almost like, um, like within wargaming, you've got you know obviously people who play fantasy games and sci-fi games and all kinds of stuff like that, and then you've also got historical gamers who are generally playing you know stuff that actually happened, kind of. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And some of those folks can get real kind of salty about like mm, a lot of times they're called rivet rivet counters sure they'll yeah. be like that ta- that tank doesn't have enough rivets along the hull there the actual <laughs> tank had this and whatever yeah. and so they'll get real into like into the weeds on like well you know technically 43 like kind of late war those guys their pants that changed because of the manufacturing and they was this and so the color should actually yeah. be that and you painted it in the wrong color and you get that a little bit here and there. Um, yeah, sure. I get around that by just deciding to play alternate history uh, yeah. games. Like I don't like regular history games, but I'll play like a, like I, I don't want to just play like World War Two, but I'll play World War Two with like werewolves and laser tanks. You know, like yeah, that's sure. like, like game like Conflict Forty Seven or Dust Nineteen Forty Seven games like that. Yes. Um, but and and you'll even get that in people. Yeah, you'll get people who were like have a, a historical fervor for Warhammer Forty Thousand, which is the thing that didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. they're like those guys. Exactly. Honestly, the rims on their shoulder pads ought to be this color because if they're third company, yeah. and you're like, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, there are some folks like that. But it's but honestly, and and the thing is, is that because 40k is like the big thing that people see, a lot of people look at that, you know, like as the entire hobby. And to be perfectly mm-hmm. frank with you, Games Workshop would love it if you if you thought that they were the only you know part of the hobby. Oh yeah, uh, but. There's a lot of people out there who are playing like more indie stuff. There are a lot of people out there who are playing like small skirmish stuff. I mean, you kind of mentioned Scott, like the cost. And yeah, if you're going to play 40K, especially if you're going to play competitively, that gets real expensive. But if you want to play like a game, like there's a game that I enjoy quite a bit called Space Weirdos, which you can also find on Warhammer or on uh, Wargame Vault. Space Weirdos is like a $4.99 zine and it's 16 pages. And you usually run about four to five models per side. And it's like a two foot by two foot board. And so you don't have a lot of terrain and things like that. And skirmish games are frankly like where my interest area lays. And skirmish games generally are 15 models or less per side, mm-hmm. you know, and very frequently closer to 10 or even five. Um, that's like where my interest area is. But there are also people out there who love to push around, you know, hundreds of models. And yeah. that's cool, too. They're, like there's a lot of depth to well a lot of there's a lot of depth but there's also a lot of uh, breadth to the to the hobby you know and it, it you can you can kind of do what you want uh which i like but if you're going to be playing tournaments like for 40k and stuff like yeah. that then you obviously have a lot of rules you have to follow and all kinds of stuff like that but yeah i just avoid that by well just kind of avoiding that so yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah there's a game i'm backing now called uh, in country and it's a uh, modern operator uh, mm-hmm. skirmish level game. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking cool because you just lead a fire team or, or half a platoon and you go in and get the job done. And then the train is real simple. And it was like, OK, this I could hang I could hang with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of games out there that, like I said, they're, whether you're interested in something that's a little bit more, you know, like. In my mind, even though it's happening maybe now, that's still like what generally is referred to kind of as a historical game because it's not fantastical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, but um, there's plenty of also you know skirmish level uh, fantasy games, skirmish level sci-fi games, cyberpunk, like all kinds of stuff. It's really been for skirmish games specifically. There's been over the last probably ten years this real renaissance because the skirmish games they're just easier to get into. They're easier to manage. Oh. Like if I have to sit down and paint. 200 tyranids for my for, you know i mean there are people out there who that's their jam and that's what they want to do and that's great but that's real daunting to a person who's thinking about getting into it but when yeah. you're like look you can build f- and paint five dudes you know and then or or whatever maybe yeah. they're aliens well, yeah, who knows but whatever they are it could be robots you know and that's your entire force and and and, and people are like well, that i can handle that's kind of cool i mean it's kind of like in in role playing i mean i don't you guys play predominantly more theater of the mind type stuff as opposed to like actually like having figures on the table and stuff yes yeah Mm -hmm. depends i I like figures on the table but that's just me sure but then you need like x amount of skeletons or x amount of kobolds (laughs) or you know that kind of stuff you know what i mean See, I, I just do <laughs> online. I, I don't do in person anymore. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. See, and then that's so yeah. Same copy effect, paste, though. copy paste, copy paste. But yes, it's figures on a virtual table. I get that. Yeah. Um, which from my understanding, I guess, I mean, you know, it looks like Wizards of the Coast has taken a run at that again because I remember they had was it <laughs> yeah, third edition. Five? Yeah. yeah, it was third edition. I remember being yeah. at Gen Con and them having like a big, you know, TV yeah. showing off like this is what it's gonna look like and you know, three dimensional miniatures and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. And then yeah, and that was what, 20 years ago? Uh, well, not quite. <laughs> well, 15. So that had a really tragic ending that I don't know how many modern gamers, or not even modern, but how many people who just don't track it. Like, I had mm-hmm. a real, real sad ending of why that failed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel bad making fun of Wizards. Well, it's Wizards, so I really don't feel bad. But I, I feel bad for how it fell out. The guy actually uh, was a suicide. Oh, that wow. Happened. Yeah, and uh designer was going through a really, really bad time, and there was a whole lot of tragedy wrapped around that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so that's kind of how that ended. But you yeah, feel I mean, for I'm him in the family, but not for wizards. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. But it's it's a thing that like it's interesting that we've gotten to this point and we're and it's and it's finally something that's coming around. I mean, obviously, yeah. with Roll20 and a lot of the other things, you've got these other kind of things you can do with they're a lot more virtual. But the fact that kind of the I don't want to say the like you know, a holy grail, but to some degree, the idea of being able to spin the camera around and look at like the, the, the battlefield from all different angles and stuff like that. Um, as we were saying just before the recording, there's a couple of PC games out right now. Uh, one's called Demio or Demio. And then the other one's called Moonbreaker, which are basically turn-based miniature games, but they're on the PC to the point where you can even like go in and paint your miniatures, you know, like on the computer and decide, you know, and it's not even just like, oh, pick nice. like this color and change it. Like I was messing around with Moonbreaker. You were like <laughs> literally going in and moving the cursor and be like, well, now I'm going to make his pants yellow and just like, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sure. And you're like kind of brushing back and forth and there's like dry brushing buttons and there's air, uh, like, you know, stippling buttons and edge highlighting buttons and all kinds of stuff like that. And so I think that people like the, I'm always amazed when I come across people who love wargaming but hate the hobby. That is and what I and what I mean by that is they love the 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 sitting around, you know across from someone and moving physical models around and doing all that kind of stuff, but they have no interest in building or painting or any of the craft side of it. Let's say, sure. Um, and I'm I because I, I'm like I don't know why you're not just playing a video game. You know what I mean? Like you could like honestly like that would probably it'd just be so much quicker for you, really. You know, and I'm not going to tell the person not to do it, but it, it is a thing that like I 
the reason I'm involved in in tabletop wargaming, honestly, is I, I like the gaming and I enjoy doing it, but I'm not a competitive player particularly. I just like to play and have a good time. But I do also really en- enjoy the, the the craft of it, the painting and all that kind of stuff and build. I mean, like today, well, the last two days, I've been working on this uh, terrain kit uh, Kickstarter thing that I followed. Uh, just before I came on here, I was downstairs airbrushing uh priming and airbrushing a model for when i paint on twitch tomorrow that i'll have to ready to go so you know like it's something that that that's what i'm like deeply invested in and i do enjoy the gaming too but i'm doing it frankly the the games that i pick to play are generally games that i'm doing to to have fun and to kind of tell a story like it's Mm -hmm. not role-playing per se but i i do like campaign play because it it comes into it reminds me of role playing kind of in a video game way, not yeah. so much. And I've said this a bunch of times on my on my on my channel. It's not so much like I'm walking in and talking to the tavern owner to find out what the mysterious things are that are happening in the town. That kind of role playing, but it's more like, oh, I got this much experience, so now I get to beef up this stat and this stat, and then you know that kind of stuff. That's generally more the type of if you start to head a little bit into role playing in wargaming, that's what you end up getting. Uh, like the game that Vince and I just recently worked with. You know, if you're playing it in campaign, like, you know, your commander can go up in skill levels and get like better at doing things. Your crew can get better at doing things, you know. And so as the game progresses, but you've also got permadeath. If you lose a guy, he's dead, you know, and and that kind of stuff. And so that to me is more interesting than just the let's just you and me fight and see who wins kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that one, because um, mm-hmm. even whenever I'm like right now, I'm I've been playing some battle tech. I've it's I've I've been having a blast mm-hmm. and I haven't been playing to win, I find. And when I was playing 40K, I was trying to win. You know, I was playing that one to try and win, but I was playing against someone who was who plays Trukari in ninth edition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and someone who is also uh you know the plague marines and me as a little uh space marine player i was getting pretty much curb stomped without any challenges whatsoever and i was like it's, it's interesting that space marines are always kind of the poster boys for games workshops when we're 40,000 but almost <laughs> always they are the they're just they're the ones that get slapped around all the time because they're like the baseline like everybody yeah. else is based off of their stat level and so they're like normal and everybody else is like more or sometimes less in certain areas but there's always a lot of love like as i used to play space marines on and off myself and there'd be times i'd be playing against somebody and be like wait that grenade does what now and I'd be like, oh yeah when i throw it it makes your 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 tank just stops and it doesn't work the rest of the game and i'm like oh okay that's cool yeah 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 it was, it was as well as Drakari. Back then, they were called Dark Eldar. Dark Eldar but yeah, 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 it's a Drakari, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They Good just old haywire grenade. Copywriting, uh, and yeah, exactly. It, pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember, like, and I used to play that. I was like, oh, yeah, but I, I like the idea of being able to kind of create my own lore. And I went through a couple games trying to get it. And now I'm on Battletech, and I'm actually liking it even when I fail, because like one of my favorite moments of it, and it's very thematic was when my Wolverine was pretty much on its last legs. Uh, It's a medium sized mech. And Mm -hmm. I decided to just run in there and punch the uh, punch him, like punch the other mech Mm -hmm. went in for a punch and I ended up critting and taking off his arm, but he had an AC 10 and he ended up pretty much shooting me directly in the face and it went through, hit my cockpit, and pretty much mm-hmm. blew off my 
uh, my head. And I was like, this is just so thematic that I want to talk about how this ended because it's the chances of those things really coinciding together are very slim. So when those moments happen, win or lose, it doesn't matter. It was just a really fun game. And you can have these experiences that are very creative and thematic that you could eventually write it down as a short story and it would make sense. There are certain game systems that can be very cinematic and, and allow allow for that kind of thing, definitely, for sure. Um, and that's, I think, very cool, which, you know, but they're, they're you know, it, it, the, the thing is, is, again, at least in my opinion, you're then focusing a little bit more on the skirmish level games as opposed to the big army mm-hmm. games, because when you've got, you know, grunt number 27, like that's not necessarily, <laughs> but when it's like yeah. the one guy out of six guys that you have or whatever that did this amazing thing and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, jumped in and did whatever the thing is. And like, they just, you know, completely took one for the team or whatever. Uh, that's, that's, that, that can be a, that, that's definitely a story. Now, don't get me wrong. I've obviously, I've got friends who play a lot of RPGs and they'll tell me stories about cool stuff that happened in their RPGs as well. And I know that that's the same, that there's a lot of story that can come from that. It's just, um, I don't know. I think for me, as a person who used to play RPGs, the thing that I'm, I, 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 this is going to sound bad, but like the parts where we, were, where we weren't fighting, I was always kind of like, man, I wish we were fighting right now. You know what I mean? Like I wish that that was, and so, for, so like, I, you know, the, that's the, that's the benefit to me at least is that in, in role play or not in, in sorry, in wargaming, it's just the fighting, the fighting parts, you know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, I don't know. I I've, I'm not sure what it is, but I don't know that I was ever a good role player. So I think that's probably a part of it right there. I don't, I was never super interested in like, you know, the story and that kind of stuff. I was always more interested in, I mean, and, and you, you, you see that a lot in gaming, I think, depending on the game system, I suppose, in, 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 in role-playing games, you know, there are people who, when it's time to have a, the actual combat in, you know, fifth edition, that's when people are like, out. oh yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. And this is like just the combat parts all the time. Now, again, if, if you're playing in a campaign, you kind of have that sort of in-between game thing where you're like, okay, well, this guy, he was taken out of action. Now I have to roll to see if he died or if he's just damaged or if he's going to get better. And then, you know, that means he got this much XP. And so therefore I can then, you know, he's now bumped up to the next level so I can do this. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, depending on the game, there can be a lot of things taken from RPGs. I mean, honestly, space station zero, there's, you know, there's like things that you can get in between missions. There are certain missions that will give you a thing. Um, Even other, people to add to your party, you know, a lot of different things like that. So, uh, well, not people necessarily like you know, there's a medical droid you can, you can get in, in one of the missions. And I think there's something else in another mission too. Um, there's like 24 different missions. Um, oh, yeah, it, well, it's a branching narrative. So like you start off with, with, with challenge number one, and then you kind of branch and pick a, a direction and then you go that way and that way. And we wanted to put like a lot of story into it. The, the, the concept behind the game was actually, um, my friend Vince, it was a game that he was going to turn into an RPG. Like he had come up with this idea a decade ago. And then after we got done with our first game, Rain in Hell, uh, when it was time to come up with a second idea, he's like, I've got an idea that I was going to turn into an RPG, but I think it'll work well for um, like a story-driven miniatures game. And then so that's that's kind of where that came from. So, But he had all this background of what was going on in the world and all that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, because your, your, uh, your game, new game, that one, it's uh, is it meant to be played mostly solo or is... It is designed to be played solo, co-op. You can also play it versus, but if you want to do the full story kind of thing, it is, it's better. It, well, basically if you want to do the story where there's the 20, 24 different missions, 
Um, again, branch narratives, you wouldn't hit all of them in one single, like you would, you would get through it before you hit all 24 because of the branching. Um, uh, but that is, that is designed for solo or co-op, right? If you're going to be playing against each other, then there's six missions that are for versus, and it's just basically kind of like roll a six sider and pick a mission. And then, you know, you two, you two fight. Um, but the real main way it's designed to be played is solo or co-op, okay, which also yeah. kind of puts it into a kind of an RPG sort of space as well. Yeah, and I, I remember re- looking at it, and I was like, oh, that actually, because trying to find a person to play mm-hmm. war game, especially if it's not the big one, aka 40k, it can be kind of daunting. But mm-hmm. I think this might be a good place to ask Finder, just because you you said that you preferred the fighting in RPGs. Mm-hmm. Finder is the same way, and he doesn't actually play any war games, but he loves combat, so Here's a question, Finder. <laughs> What's your actual opinion of war games, considering you do like combat a ton? <laughs> okay, so a couple clarifications. I love combat. I also love RP, but combat is a blast. Um, my opinion of war games and why I don't do it, I think you've already covered a lot of that ground. My big opinions are things like I'm not interested in painting minis. I don't have that skill. I'm not interested in obtaining that skill. And I'd rather spend that time doing other things. Um, So that's one thing in my head. And this could be completely wrong. But when I picture wargaming, it's a ton of minis. It's a ton of terrain. And it takes a ton of space. And I don't have a ton of space that I want to devote to storing my minis, my terrain, my whatever. Um, the, The cost to get into the hobby is prohibitive. For me, I'm like, eh. I mean, I, I don't even like the fact that D&D costs you 90 bucks to get into. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that, that's at a minimum. I mean, that's like if you get the books on sale, right? I mean, typically it's going to be closer to 150 bucks if you want to get into D&D as a GM. But it, it, to me, it's like, uh, for, me, for me, miniatures are just, I, I enjoy games like StarCraft. Um, so I, I had fun doing that stuff. But I recognize that I am not a good strategist. Um and so for me, it's like, uh, I, I think it'd be fun to do that stuff once in a while. I don't mind uh, that sort of thing, but it's not a hobby that I, I can see myself getting into. To mm-hmm. answer one of the questions, though, around uh, Adam, you, you mentioned earlier, like you don't understand people who like the gaming but don't like the hobby, mm-hmm. or, or maybe it was the other way around. But for me, I can, I can, get, I can understand that because... Like I said, I don't have the skill in painting the minis, but pushing them around a board can be fun because there's a tactile element to it. And so that that could be fun for me is being able to look at the minis and say, wow, that's really cool. Because I, I do appreciate good craftsmanship. And so if the minis look cool and they're painted well, that's awesome. I think that's that, that's that's a skill that I don't have. And so I can admire that. And pushing them around a board, I don't know that I want to get the, tape, the measuring tape and see how many inches I can actually move and that sort of stuff. That'd be annoying, but, but there's that tactile. And so I, I don't even do video games much anymore for that reason. And that whole D and D one thing I'm like, uh, what, what I don't like about that is the whole 3d aspect of it for the, for the virtual tabletop. That's my problem with that one is it's like, screw the 3d because now I'm locked into finding 3d art that I can use in this. And there's already a limited amount of uh, good art for like orcs or elves or whatever, but you start getting into these other non-traditional fantasy races 
and now it's even harder to to bring my vision to life by having to have a 3D mini and a 3D dungeon and all that crap. So I'd oh. much rather have two D versions. My assumption is take care of that for you. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say. My assumption is is that well, you probably won't be able to just throw in any old any old figure you want. You're going to be able to buy their packs of figures. Yeah, Wizard yeah. will I mean, sell you the, whatever you need. That's the benefit. Exactly. You know, that's the benefit I can see on their point for doing that. And that's one of the things that I really like, too, about, like, you know, kind of getting back to wargaming a little bit as far as the, like, there are there's two different types of wargames. There's, like, games like Warhammer 40,000 where they sell the rules and they also sell you the miniatures, which is a lot mm-hmm. like, you know, is it D&D 1 or is it 1 D&D? 1 D&D. D&D. Okay. So, that, so that, that whole thing with the 3D models and they'll sell you packs of 3D models and stuff. And I'm, 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 Roll20 sells you stuff too, don't they? They sell different bits. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Roll20 has a marketplace, but it's independent artists that create gotcha. stuff for it. And, and they may go down that road as well with yeah. um, with uh, this 1D&D thing. But the other type of war game, and this is the kind that I prefer, is what's known as miniatures agnostic. So um, like our game, we don't sell miniatures. We we figure you either have miniatures or there might be some miniatures that you like or it might be you might have a 3D printer or whatever. We're just selling you the rule book. And then you play, you know, using the miniatures you want, terrain you want. We're not, oh my God, we don't want to make miniatures. That's a lot of work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's 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 a ton. Um, so yeah, no, I, I understand. I mean, like there's a lot of people that are just like, you know, sure, if the miniatures were there, I would be fine to play a game with them and that's fun. And, um, and like, you know, you go to a convention, let's say, and you, you sit down and play a demo of, I don't know, Battletech or, you know, any old kind of game, whatever it might be, Star Wars Legion or whatever. Um, and, and that, you know, there were games like, obviously, you know, Star Wars X-Wing was very, um, people really dug it who were like, I don't want to paint these little ships. Oh, you don't have to. They're already pre-painted. You know, yeah. like, I can't tell you how many people at my local shop who are magic players got into Star Wars X-Wing because it still had like a little bit of deck building kind of going on because you were like kind of building your ships and you had these cards that you were kind of collecting and going, oh, I can do this and add this kind of photon torpedo and blah, blah, blah and whatnot. And, but you also had the ships that were already like done, like you didn't have to mess with them. So that was, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, that kind of thing. Kind of what I was saying before is like, I'm amazed by people who like get so heavily into the game, but yet don't want to do the, the those other parts. I mean, like I said, in my opinion, like you'd be better served by, and you would save a bunch of time and money by just playing a video game because it's kind exactly. of, in many situations, <laughs> the same thing. So, yeah. That, and that, that, I mean, that's where I really liked like StarCraft because to me, that's kind of what that was, right? I mean, you're strategizing, you're having to pay attention to stuff. And I realize it's not the same thing, but... There's, there's a lot of me, corollaries. Starcraft is too much because it's real time and it's not turn based. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, because the people who do really good at it are very good at clicking buttons very quickly, oh, and that's that, yeah. yeah. And that's not really actually, my area. Have you ever actually watched someone play that game competitively? Oh yeah, no. It's 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 all about clicks per second. Is basically it, it like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I watch yeah. and I'm like, I'm stressed out watching you play this right now because I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, was so at a, fast. I was at a LAN party years ago and I was with uh, two friends of mine and we were playing one of the Command & Conquer games, one of the later ones. I think it was called Command & Conquer's Generals. And we had been playing it online against each other and we would be just talking like on TeamSpeak back in the day. This was way before Discord and all that stuff. We'd be talking on TeamSpeak and we'd be like playing and we would be playing kind of at our speed and having a fun time and whatever like that. And these two other guys saw that we were playing and they were like, oh, we love that game. We, we, you know, can we play with you guys? Yeah, we'll set up a new thing. And we, whatever it was, I don't know, five-way, six-way, whatever. And they were good. And just 
we had no idea what they were doing. Like this stuff just started just appearing everywhere. And it was just because they were actually good at the game. Whereas we were just sort of like playing it and, you know, and in slow mode uh, because that's what we were. But yeah, so that that's the, the, the real time part of the real time strategy is the problem on my end, frankly, but um, there are plenty of games out there that are also turn-based video games. I mean, there's a, one of the, uh, there's a Warhammer 40 K game called chaos gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was all turn-based that came out maybe three months ago, four months yeah, ago. That, and that that's, one's uh, cool. that's recent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's 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 options out there. Um, but if you are interested in um like that's the thing. And you'd also mentioned, I think, um Finder, I think you mentioned like you don't know how to paint, so like you didn't want to paint. And that's you know, you obviously that's the case. Like nobody knows how to paint before they start learning how to paint, you know what I mean? That kind of thing, or or any other kind of skill. Uh, but it is, I think the thing that the, the common misconception is that, well, I don't, I, I can't learn how to paint. And it's really, so much of it is just technique early on. It's just like a technique that once you learn about like dry brushing and like, you know, and washes and stuff like that, like honestly in 20 minutes, I could show you how to, how to paint something a lot better than you could without that 20 minutes of like, um you know, like training. And it's, it's so many like very simple techniques. It's when you get to the super high end and you're trying to win awards at painting competitions that it becomes now like a, you now actually have to have real talent and stuff like that. But honestly, once you get a couple simple techniques, you can paint stuff really quick. Yeah. Washes are part of the problem though. That's part of the problem is that you're not here for 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but there's, but the thing is there's tons of videos. That's, that's the trick. I I, I did a video. I did a video a while back about how you should only watch. Like if you watch videos for 10% of your time, let's say that you're going to spend, like you're going to put aside two hours a week to learn how to paint. You should only watch videos for about 10% of that time. And then you should actually be trying to push paint around on, on, a, on a couple of models for 90% of the time. And so many people go the other way around because there's so much out there. So they'll do, I'll be like, well, I just got to watch another couple hundred hours worth of videos and then I'll be able to start painting. And you're like, no, 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 no. You're going to learn so much more by actually pushing a rush around. No, you just got to um, throw some null oil on it. It's totally I fine mean, after that. Perfect. Looks beautiful. They, they call it uh, they call it liquid talent, you know. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's there, there's there's a lot of very simple techniques to start to where all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, actually, this is not as hard as I think. And that's what I try to do on the channel is to teach people that kind of stuff. Like I said, I'm trying to get people into the hobby, and it's not, it, it's admittedly, it's not completely altruistic. You know, I'm trying to get people into the hobby because I want more people to play against. I want more people to buy things so that can you know that the companies keep making things and stuff like that. Um, but I also. I think personally, the, the actual hobby side of it, the sitting and building and painting and all that kind of stuff, um, that part is so stress relieving. And so, um, you know, it can be very almost meditative. Like I'll come home after a day of work or whatever and then go down to the basement and I'll just, you know, put on some headphones and listen to a podcast or an audiobook or whatever and just start working on a model and painting and things like that. And everything else just sort of kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot to that, I think. There's a, I think there's a lot of people that are, not like they, they, it would be helpful for them, I think, if they focused with their hands, you know, a little bit more and kind of just like sort of dialed in a little bit and, and some sort of hobby, whether it's, I don't know, it could be leather working, could be, um, you know, I don't know, it could be making cool, you know, flowers out of wire. I don't care, like whatever you want to do, but some sort of like something with your hands doing something and paying attention to that and listening to some stuff. That's fine so, too. So, couple questions. Well, quick, a quick, a quick comment yeah. and then a question, but. The leatherworking thing, I laughed because I actually have a roll of leather here that I'm planning on trying to make dice bags. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, 
I, I know nothing about leather working. So I was like going to the store. It's like figuring that stuff out was cool. Um, I'm, I have yet to actually sit down and work with it. So I'll, I'll let I you know would, how that goes. I would tell but you how to, I tell you to go look on YouTube. Probably there will be plenty of people out there teaching you how to, to do leather work. Oh, yeah. Well, and I've yeah. got a, the, the local store here is great. Cause they have free classes that I can go and use their, mm-hmm. use their tools and everything, which is really great. Cause I've got uh, a bunch of stuff that I can use for free, mm-hmm. but from a painting perspective. So I backed the dark tower reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I've got the game. All of the the figures are just this ugly gray. There's no there's no paint on them. Mm-hmm. I've been contemplating trying to paint them because I want to have a cool Dark Tower because Dark Tower was such an awesome game back in the day. Yep. I want to play this. I've got a friend who what, uh, who backed that at that thing too. What what video would you recommend a guy who knows nothing about painting go and look if he wants to get into painting minis? I mean, honestly, Where just do you going start is my is my problem. It's like, oh, there's a big old world out there. I have no idea sure. where to even begin. You know, uh, going into YouTube and typing in painting miniatures for beginners, that'll find you a bunch of videos, possibly some of them from me as well. Um, you know, what people generally do. So here, I'll try to give you the, the super quick uh, br- breakdown. Um, and this is not necessarily the way you have to go, but it's a suggestion is that you could start by taking those models and priming them like go outside or whatever, you know, by the, by the garage or whatever, and prime them, uh, with a, a primer, a spray can of primer, like in black, just spray them, try to get, make sure it gets in all the little nooks and crannies and all that kind of stuff. Let it dry for 15 minutes or something. And then you could take, you go to your local drugstore or whatever, and you get a big fat makeup brush like a cheap one like a like a five dollar big huge fat makeup brush and then you take some white paint and then you it's called dry brushing you put a little bit of paint like on a little piece of scrap plastic or something and you dab that big fat makeup brush in the scrap plastic and then you wipe most of the paint off on a piece of um, paper towel so it seems like it's mostly gone but it's not then you take that first model it's all black and you just go back and forth with that white dry brush and it will hit all the raised parts and they will get, you know, lightened up. And in the recesses, the, the, the bristles won't get down in there. So in the recesses where the shadows are, they'll stay dark. So now you'll have these black and white looking um, miniatures. And then if you want to, there's uh, a company out there called the Army Painter, and they make a, a, a line of paints that are called speed paints, and they're these transparent kind of paints. And when you put those colors over that like black and white image now, they're now fully colored, and also they have light red that fades to dark red because underneath they were it's like it's like taking a piece of clear red plastic and putting it over a section of a black and white photo. Like, oh look, now this person's sleeve is is you know that's kind of how they used to colorize black and white movies back in the day is that they would take the black and white that would be the values and they would just put colors that were transparent over the top of it so it would go from light red to dark red because that black and white's coming through it's just a it's a super fast simple way to do it another thing you could also do if you just want to make them look better than that gray plastic is just go buy some um Go to your local, you know, game store and buy some like black wash, you know, like Games Workshop sells this stuff called Nuln Oil and then just paint that on there. It'll seep into all the crevices and make them look darker than the raised parts. And it will just immediately add more detail to the models mm-hmm. because right now, if they're all the same color, you, your eye just loses the detail for the most part, unless they're in like real harsh light. But you just throw a little quick wash over the top of them to make them look better right there. Um so yeah, there's lots of different options and things like that. But there are videos out there that can like that whole thing with the the black and then the white and then putting the transparent colors over there. 
that's honestly still the way that I paint. I just don't usually do the dry brush of white. I usually airbrush the white over it, but that's, you know, um, and then you pick out certain details. Like you don't want to do that with swords, maybe with a sword, use a little bit of silver paint and that kind of stuff, but you can easily do it and make them look 10 times better without a ton of work. But, um, honestly, even just throwing wash on them would make them look better than just straight gray plastic. Like yeah, very I, frequently when in yeah. the past, when I've like been showing a model, like you do an unboxing and then you show all the stuff that's in there and then you build the model, you know, off camera. And then, you know, you have the second part of the video where you show, and now this is what it looks like built. You still just throw a black wash on it because it makes it pop more on, on camera so that you can actually see the detail. If it's all one color, it's really hard to see the detail. So there's, there's all kinds of options. It depends on how much you want to get into it, you know? And, and that's the thing, like, for me, I don't really watch a ton of television. I like, I watch some stuff here and there. My wife and I keep, uh, you know, we watch some shows here and there, but I don't like watch a ton of movies and all that kind of stuff. Cause I can't focus on that stuff while I'm painting, but I listen to tons of audiobooks and tons of podcasts and all that kind of stuff because I can, I like need that audio while I'm painting. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, un, it's not a hobby necessarily for everybody, but if it's something that you start to get interested in, there's definitely tons of videos out there that you can take a look at about beginning, getting into miniature painting, and then just start out with something like you may not want to start out with your, um, dark tower models because you're like, well, these are kind of, you know, this was an expensive Kickstarter or whatever, but you could also start with some cheap models from the, um, like, you know, like, um, WizKids makes a bunch of those like D and D miniatures, you know, that are already pre-primed. Yeah. So you could even start practicing on those, um, you know, and, and, and messing around with that as well. And those things are inexpensive. So, yeah, if you go like get like Reaper minis, which are usually uh, mm -hmm. like any kind of like game store, they're like, I think they're like two, three bucks for a mini. So you can yep. pass out there. I have a few other techniques, but uh, I'll tell you later, finder about them. Uh, cool. Or we can do or we can do a paint night. We can go on video and we can paint together. It'll be fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds fantastic. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> but there's, <laughs> earlier you actually said something also finder that I, it's funny cause I asked on Twitter and, um, like, you know, gamers who have never done like, you know, war gaming, why don't you do it? One person actually put is like measuring one, one thirty two, thirty second of an inch for a game. And he's pretty much like, no, I'm never going to do that. And I was like. There's a lot of misconceptions about war games that I think people have that are easily remedied. Like, yeah, you're you're not wrong. I mean, yeah. I, there. I will be honest. Uh, when playing the Star Wars X-wing game, I have had discussions with certain players that are down to a couple of millimeters, but for the most part when you're playing with people that you like or that you're cool with or whatever, or are cool people, you'd be like, yeah, it's close. That's yeah, you got that. That's fine. It's close. You know what I mean? Like if you get into like real competitive play, especially like again, in, in, in the, in that realm, in uh, star Wars X-Wing, like it's all about millimeters in that game. It's, yeah. it's all about exactly where you place this. Am I in your line of fire? Am I not in like, you know, that kind of jazz, which again, I don't know why you're not playing a video game because the computer would take <laughs> care of all that for you. But um, when you're playing with regular folks, generally it's more about like, am I in range for that? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, if you get into arguments with somebody a lot who's constantly about, well, I think that that's actually six and five eighths, not six and a half. I wouldn't play with that person so much anymore. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's personally the way I look at it. What's but, funny yeah. is tabletop has the very same issue, regardless of those people understanding that or not. They all do the same shit. 
I wasn't there. You have to use it's one by two by one movement. God damn it. You can't reach me. <laughs> it's the same shit. Yeah. And it's generally it's it's people who are like, I the frankly hardcore. think it's people. Well, it's people who are way too invested in winning. They Yes. There you go. Mm-hmm. They want to win Dungeons you know and I mean? Dragons. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, that's not how, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I would I would much rather lose a game but have a fun story than win a game and be like, ugh, yeah, that sucked. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. just no fun. Um, yeah, no, even... I, I. Oh, God. No, I, I was just like, and it, it is a big portion of who you play with. Like, if you get a, a group of people, you know, yeah. If you're playing a tournament and you travel to this tournament, you're playing a bunch of people you don't know you're going to get what you're going to get. And you know, there it's hard to say, but when you find yourself a group of people that you play with on the regular and you know, you, you guys, you, 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 you'll be house ruling stuff. Like there was a, there's like a pretty, pretty famous thing in, in 40 K that at the beginning of the, of the game, you roll off to see who gets to go first. And then if you lose, you get to roll again to try to steal initiative and you basically can steal initiative if you get a six. So if you and I rolled off a die and I got a five and you got a three, then it'd be like, okay, I get to go first. Then you're like, well, I'm going to steal initiative. So then you would throw a D6 again. And if you got a six, then now you got to go instead of me, which is just a weird set of rules. But it's what's something. Anyway, we just house ruled it. We're like, if you want to steal initiative, that's great. On a six, you'll steal it. On a one, however, and I don't remember what it was, but we had a negative that would happen to you. So Ooh. like you were basically kind of pushing your luck. You know, you're like, I don't know. Because basically no one would ever not st- try to steal initiative. Because if you lost, well, there was no downside to you trying to roll to hit that six, you know? <laughs> is there no consequence to trying it? <laughs> no, there was no consequence to that trying it at all. So we were like, well, that's dumb. We're going to make yeah. a consequence to trying it. So that was the house rule that we did. And that's you. that's just the way to do it, you know? But you yeah. can't do that, obviously, at a tournament. <laughs> like, it's not going to no. work. Now, if the tournament organizer was like, this is the rule that happens for stealing initiative, then people would be like, okay, I'm going to have to keep track of that. But you know, for the most part, they wouldn't do that kind of stuff. But when you're playing against people that you're hanging out with or whatever, or even if you just have that social contract at the beginning where you both just go, oh, well, let's do it this way. Okay, cool. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love playing tabletop games in general, whether it's RPGs or war games or whatever, is that when we decide to change the rules, we just change them. Like when you're playing a computer Mm -hmm. game, it's real hard to change the rules unless you know how to like I don't know, mod stuff or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or that too. Exactly. But in general, it's, I would just be like, Hey, let's do it this way. Okay, cool. You know, and that, that works out well. Yeah. I I think that problem's not unique to wargaming. I think that's just any kind of tabletop in general. For For some reason, people have a hard time trying to realize that just because it says in the book, it doesn't mean you have to do it exactly like that. I don't. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we've every, every, the, the two games that we've published, both of them have been like, look, if you want to change things, uh, it's your game. Uh, we're, yeah. The police are not going to come to your house. You, you, you can do whatever you want, man. Like knock <laughs> right. yourself out. And that's, that's the whole point. Like that's the big, that's the big benefit I think to, to play yeah. in tabletop games. And even like, um, like going back to like, to the measurement thing, there's mm-hmm. games that you don't need a ruler for. And I find just because uh, I think it's like almost like the 40K misconception because people see that game and they're like, all games are this. And I'm like, there's mm-hmm. so many different ways you can play a game. It could be a grid based. You don't even have like my well, like, battle tech is all hex based. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, all hex based. Sure. Um, like, I like I like the tape measures to be honest with you, but I'm not like crazy like oh well it's no nah, I think you're off a couple millimeters. It's just like okay I get to move four and you lay it down and you go okay and you know it, it's 
if the game is so completely dependent upon whether you're in exactly the right spot within a millimeter, then that's a bad game in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm a bigger fan of just like, yeah, I got, you know, basically here and now I, you know, and, and there's also intention too. There are times when you're like, I'm going to move up against this piece of cover and my intention is to be able to take cover. And so yeah. if the other player is like, well, you're technically three millimeters away from it. So you're not like, no, my, I said that my intention was to take cover. And they're like, oh, okay. Oh, my favorite's you know, line of sight. Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, line of sight God. can be a pain. I mean, I remember back, back in the day going to Gen Con and watching guys play Necromunda and then using a laser pointer and a dental mirror Jesus. to do all of the the line of sight and i thought it was super cool because they're like they would be playing in this like necromunda thing that was all built up three-dimensionally like a, almost like an oil rig and they had to be able to see like can i see this guy who's on the other side of the oil rig can i if am i going to hit like anything and so they're getting with their laser pointers in there and that kind of stuff and um you know and they were having a great time i remember one day walking through i think it was through gen con and a guy was like in like a full like kind of old school like sort of naval uniform sort of thing <laughs> and I was just walking by and he's like, excuse me, sir. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you have a second? And I said, sure. And he's like, you see that big beach over there? And it was like a huge, it was a bunch of people playing a game and they were on this beach and it was like a bunch of, you know, I don't know, it was military. It was like historical something, World War II, I'm pretty sure. And basically they had a binoculars that had a laser pointer on it. Yeah. And so he gave me the binoculars and he's like, shell the beach just like basically say boom when you get it to where you want and then i will raise this flag and then they will put a marker there so i'm shelling the beach i don't i'm not in the game i'm just walking by <laughs> this is what they would do when they would want to shell the beach they would just wait for a person to walk by and be like hey come over here for a second you know um, super cool i mean that's the fun thing about playing those types of games at conventions as well but it's 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 always fun to kind of see that kind of sort of uh, extra randomness that you can put into games like that you know and and again if it's just a situation of like well i don't think that's fair that that guy no you're playing the wrong game you should you know what i mean like that's that's the thing it's got to be a little bit more sometimes a little bit more chaotic and a little bit more forgiving i guess oh yeah so another this one i don't know if it's fully a misconception because it's kind of true to something but uh we have another scott and he he's actually interested in 40k x-wing and all that but one of the major points of entry for him is also just cost because i don't know if this is i can't i can't say for sure it's all of them because i know some of them are actually a lot more cost effective but it it is kind of a pricey hobby to get into i would say Oh, yeah, I would say. I mean, there's I remember looking at a sales chart from I think it was 2019 done through uh, this industry website called ICV2. And um, they were showing like the breakdown for that year's sales uh, and they were separating it by genre. So you've got, you know, board games, RPGs, uh, miniatures games and card games, you know, like collectible card games. And um I think that that year it was something like the entire industry was like 1.8 or 1.9 billion. And um, RPGs was strangely the lowest now. Oh, yeah. Well, yep. but it's because like in many situations, a, I think they weren't you know, number one. I don't think that they were counting dice sales. Cause that would have really skewed things. <laughs> um, like being a Gen Con this year and just seeing just like every other booth was a dice booth. And it was amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, so the, the thing that's, I think the, that's interesting is with RPGs, generally you need a book, you need a player's handbook of some flavor, or maybe if you're a DM, you need, you know, several books and that kind of stuff. 
and then again, you know, you got the dice and you got all those other things, but those, I don't think are, like I said, being you know counted in this, but when you think about like critical role and how many people watch that on Twitter or sorry, Twitch and, and that kind of stuff, like RPGs, I think is a bigger deal than, um, some of these other things, but cost wise, yeah, it is far less expensive than getting into magic than, than getting into, uh, you know, to, to some, uh, war games. Like I, there's a, a war game that I, you were talking about space before as well, uh, Finder. Like, um, there's a war game that I enjoy quite a bit. That's a real indie one called uh, The Last War, and it's uh, alternate history World War One. It's um, it's based slightly off of Morkborg. Like, so th- there's a there's a, a fantasy skirmish game called uh, Forbidden Psalm, which is based off of kind of Morkborg, and then this is using the same system, but it's alternate history World War one kind of a little bit through the lens of Morkborg, which is interesting. Um, but it's played on a two foot by two foot. Like it's not like a force four by six, you know, it's like, it's played on a small thing and you have a small force of like survivors basically of world war one that just keeps going and doesn't seem to stop. And, um, so, I mean, and there's very little in the way of terrain, like there's some, you know, and there are, all, there are also miniatures games out there. There's a, there's a, probably the most well-known one is Warhammer underworld from games workshop that one doesn't really have terrain and you play it on a hex board that's maybe foot and a half by two feet um and the miniatures are like generally you don't push around more than about six or seven miniatures per side um and it's got it's 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 kind of a good gateway game between board gaming frankly and um you know uh the uh the wargaming side but yeah the there when you go to the shop and you see someone with like 200 models and they're playing on a giant four foot by six foot and they got all this terrain and stuff like that, that is sometimes the case, but there are also plenty of games just like there are plenty of, I'm sure there, there are plenty of RPGs out there that, that are small little indie things that somebody played that's in a, you know, relatively inexpensive zine and it's not a $50 book full of full color stuff, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a definite kind of, breadth to the industry but i but the the big dog in the room is always games workshop so that's what a lot of people kind of base everything off of yeah i find that's a shame because even even with war games there's so much variety than just you know one force versus another force like Mm -hmm. humans versus this like i like the games that are more vehicle based and for me, that's a ton of fun. And there's so many different options. Like I want to get into drop fleet fleet commander, which has mm-hmm. a really cool mechanic where you're actually trying to take control of cities, but you're playing as the air, like the forces in the air and in space while dealing with all that kind of shenanigans. I was like, that's super mm-hmm. cool. You, I don't, it would be very difficult to try and capture that in RPG. You have like things like Gaslands, which I'm yep. s- that one, I, I have minis painted up. I or minis, my matchbox hot, cars. Yeah, hot wheels, <laughs> cars, yep. My hot wheels that are all painted up and I'm just like, okay, now I just gotta find someone to play. Um unfortunately I don't have anyone to play with with that, even though mm-hmm. it's I feel like the point of entry in that one is probably the lowest you can possibly get. That's the other big benefit to skirmish games is that if you yeah. want to start playing with somebody, it's way easier to paint up two small, very small forces to teach somebody oh, yeah. than it is to paint up two 2,000 point armies for Warhammer 40,000. You know what I mean? Like, hey, let's get together and play. 
I painted up this entire force that cost, you know, $500 and took me, you know, three years. And then there's my force here and then we'll play. But if you're like, Hey, take these matchbox cars and we're going to race around and drive into each other and shoot each other. Like that's a way easier ask on the person who's trying to get other people to play as well. Yeah. Now $500 would only get you like a thousand point army instead of a full 2000. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I again, like I said, I haven't, um, I haven't really had to deal with, um, like, cause I haven't been playing like big, you know, 40 K the only G- yeah. GW game that I play these days right now is called Warcry, which is their in their fantasy side. So it's more the age of Sigmar side, but again, it's a small little skirmish game. It gets played on like a 22 by 30 inch board and you don't have more than about 10 models usually. And, um, I really enjoy it because again, it's also a lot quicker and it's just easier. I just, I just prefer the smaller games like that. How is the second edition version of it anyways? I'm so glad they didn't screw it up Um, (laughs) because I was really afraid that they were going to screw it up and they honestly didn't. They've made some little tweaks. Um, One thing they added in was reactions, which is really nice. So instead of just like, okay, I've taken some damage, you can now kind of like push your luck a little bit. If you, if like, if you've still got an activation on the guy who's getting attacked, you can choose to do a thing, but then it'll take away an activation later on when it's your turn again. So you're deciding, you're kind of deciding, do I want to take this damage now or possibly mitigate it? Or do I want to have an action later kind of a thing, which is it's, it's, it's cool, but it didn't really change things too much. Um, I was really concerned they were going to, when they went from kill team, which is the skirmish version of 40 K when they went from the 2018 version to the 2021 version, they changed things a lot and I didn't like it. So, um, I was concerned that with Warcry when they came out with the new version, they were going to make big changes to it and they didn't. So they made some changes, but not big ones. So let's say somebody was interested in a war game or wanting to try it out but didn't really have much of the resources or any of that kind of stuff. Would you have maybe an a suggestion for them for a way that they could start off, start off cheap um, and get playing just to see if they even enjoy the hobby? Would do I would, you have- I would say probably uh, go to your local shop and start, you know, if you see people there playing, you know, Warhammer or any other kind of game like that, um, and then see, like, you know, just kind of start asking questions, you know, if they're cool with it, if they're like in a super crazy, you know, competitive, serious game, well, then, you know, leave them alone. But, um, but if they're, if they're like fine with like, you know, answering questions, which a lot of people you generally are, that's a good place to start. Um, and then, you know, maybe they can kind of teach you some of that stuff. Um, if you're interested in getting into skirmish games, I would also try to look for a local convention that is having some of those things going on. Like I like to go to local conventions and run, um, kind of skirmish games just to teach people about miniatures, just to teach people about how to get into miniatures. Um, one of my favorites for that is a game called, um, a song of blades and heroes. And it's just a very simple fantasy skirmish game and I bring everything and it's not a ton of stuff, but I bring it and show, you know, (laughs) I, I give them, um, D&D used to make these plastic pre-painted miniatures for this like D&D skirmish game for a while. And then you just like opened a box. It was like hero clicks. You didn't know what you were going to get in the box, that kind of thing. And so I've got a bunch of those that I use. And if they get, you know, Cheeto dust or whatever all over them, I can literally (laughs) just throw them in a bucket of water and wash them. And it's fine because they're, you know, rubbery and kind of pre-painted with that stuff. 
But then the skeletons that everybody's fighting against, those are all my skeletons. And I'm the one touching all the skeletons. And so you know, there's no cheetah fingers and everything. Um, and those are slightly fancier. But it just looks cool. Like when people walk up and they see like 50 skeletons and they're like, whoa, what's this? And you explain it to them and they're like, wow, can I play that? And you're like, yeah. And then you kind of show them how to do it. You get them in kind of, you know, understanding the concept of range and line of sight and, you know, move and then shoot or like, you know, having a certain amount of actions per turn and that kind of stuff and whatever. And, and they look at all these skeletons and then all of a sudden when one of them, when one of the skeletons finally drops and then two other skeletons basically fail their morale and drop as well around them and then it can really start to snowball. Then they're all of a sudden like, oh, that's, I thought I was going to get completely destroyed by all these skeletons, but honestly, maybe that's not the case. And it's just, it's a fun kind of way to interact with people and to kind of get you know them to understand how the, um, how the whole thing works. But I like to run stuff like that. So if you can find stuff like local conventions where people are doing demos, like obviously there was a tournament, they're not there again to teach anybody. Um, but if you do find demos of stuff like that, that's also a great place. Um, and then maybe even um, if you want to mess with it, uh, uh, what's it? Um, Tabletop Simulator, which I don't like, <laughs> frankly. It's, it's it as pr- my my day job is uh, I'm a user experience, user interface uh, designer, <laughs> and so yeah, Tabletop yeah. Simulator is not. It kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, I'm glad it's there for people. I just wish that it was a little bit less the way it is. And, um, but if you're into that kind of thing, there's tons and tons of, you know, there's, there's lots of people throughout the entire pandemic who just played 40 K on that because they couldn't get together mm-hmm. and do it. And so, um, there's tons of options out there. I mostly like how you can flip the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. There's all kinds of like fun kind of physics stuff like that too, but, uh, you can knock over people's models with your dice, just like in the real world, you know, and it's, yeah. it's great. <laughs> That's definitely true on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Wargaming, I, I, I just kind of wish more people would give it a shot. And it, it, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like it's almost people see even in the tabletop community, it's they almost see it as almost too nerdy. And I'm like, I don't get it, dudes. You're playing as an elf right now. You've already reached the maximum. Just go. With yeah, it. I don't know. I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I do. But I, I think that. Um, I think it's all about perspective, you know, like I, I just came from a, I was at a convention in DC, um, uh, called Nova open back, I don't know, about two weeks ago. And, um, like there's a painting competition that goes on there. People bring in models and they come from all over the place and they bring these models. They spent, you know, in some situations, a hundred hours or more on and that kind of stuff like that. And, uh, there's also tons of tournaments and all kinds of other stuff going on there. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nerds there. I mean, I'm there, so it's, it makes sense. <laughs> but, but it is a situation of like, I, you know, I don't know, like when you get into the artistry, like at that depth, you'll, you know, you'll have two painters who will, you know, quote unquote, nerd out talking about specific techniques or even brushes mm-hmm. that they like to use and stuff like that. But the, the stuff that comes out of it is I think the, the, the important part, you know, I mean, like I'm not particularly into cosplay, but when I see like really well done cosplay, I'm really looking at like the quality of the craftsmanship of the you know materials and the, like the outfit and wow, that sword looks real, but it's rubber. That's crazy. You know, like all that kinds of stuff. And so I don't know. I think there's there's nothing wrong with being passionate about stuff, but I do know that there are people that I mean, there are always people that look down on some they're like, you're like, well, I'm a nerd, but I'm really looking down on these people who are, who are even nerdier than me. And it's <laughs> it's all kind of it's all kind of silly, but you know, I don't know. It's hard to kind of 
change that. There are certainly things to keep people out of wargaming to some degree. You know, like you know, cost is not is not a um, a, a false thing. Like it, it is not cheap, but it can be not too expensive. Um, it's just if you've decided you want to get into like big army, like competitive play, well, that's a different story. But if you want to like play some of the smaller games that are a little bit indie or that use a lot less models and stuff like that, you can you can actually do quite a bit. And if you've got a 3D printer or a friend with a 3D printer, then man, the world is your Way oyster. Cheaper. I got my uh, my buddy. He's currently printing me five uh, five mechs for BattleTech right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, there's, 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 there's so much out there that it's just, it's amazing. I've got a 3D printer that I'm almost got set up. I've got a table that's going to come and be in my workroom, but it's coming on Friday and then I'll be able to, and I've drilled a hole in my house. That was hard as it turns out, um, <laughs> because I wanted to ventilate that room because of the, you know, the fumes and stuff like that. I'm, I see plenty of people who are like, yeah, the fumes aren't a problem. And I'm like, I just, it makes me nervous. And so I drilled a four inch uh, hole through my house and put in a, a dryer vent so that I can, um, blow the stuff outside. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, there's, a, you know, the hobby can get in real deep if you want it to, but it doesn't have to. You can also mm-hmm. get into it, you know, to some degree, a little bit here and there and that kind of stuff. There's lots of options. Just like, you know, the same thing again with with uh, RPGs. You can go whole hog and buy all of the Pathfinder books, I guess, if you want to. Or <laughs> you could uh, play like a, a game that is everything encompassed in one single tome. And uh, that's also uh, an option. Yeah, like there's a Lego Lego war game that someone created. I know that one. Oh yeah, there's been a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're just using Legos to build your models. Yeah, there was like a mobile one that was frame like a zero. I think. Yep, mobile frame zero was one. Yep, and there was another one called Mech something or other, but I forget what it's called. Mobile frame zero. I've I've I think I own a copy of that. Probably. Yeah, on PDF. and there's even a couple. There's there's one that is for your Gundam models, which I'm honestly surprised doesn't exist, like officially. It just seems like. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that like Bandai and those kind of companies haven't come up with rule sets to sell because it seems pretty much like a thing that you would i would think you would do but yeah yeah i am honestly blown away that they don't like they already make all those why mm-hmm. not sell a book for 10 bucks like it would be yep yeah mm-hmm. but anyways um getting around what is ooh an hour and 10 um you guys all good to wrap up or you got any more questions uh, no i i think yeah. uh It'd be interesting to, I'll probably go check out some of those videos because I do want to paint my Dark Tower minis and Mm -hmm. we'll see how things go from there. (laughs) Well, throw some pictures up on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rich, don't paint anymore. That's the message you all would give me. (laughs) I would never say that to you. (laughs) Just like my wife would never tell me that I can't sing. (laughs) She she told me everyone can sing. (laughs) <laughs> See that? she tells everybody that. i think that's so, so she can laugh at people yes <laughs> nice well yeah folks i think uh that's all the time we have for today i thank you so much adam for coming on a pleasure to meet you uh yeah absolutely same yeah. here yeah it's it's been great um if you ever want to hop back on for a random topic let us know always down to have uh, chat with people mm-hmm. um for anyone who liked this episode you can send me an email at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com or you can join our discord where we literally talk about tabletop games of all types all the time uh, i'm not even being sarcastic on that matter we literally talk about it non-stop it's kind of annoying 
No, I'm kidding. That's not a thing. Uh, and if you didn't like this episode for any strange reason, uh, send the hate all to Twitter at RP Smart People. And I hope everyone has a good time, uh, a good week, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.